militant vegan screaming at shoppers about eating meat or extreme vegan activist abusing people in a restaurant all these like crazy headlines obviously it's ridiculous the way they're describing us but if it's going to get people to actually go in and watch a video of my protest and actually truly listen to my words it's going to bring a lot more people in so I think the headlines are a great thing because it's only going to get more attention to the message and hopefully trigger curiosity for people to go out and watch Dominion and, you know, see the footage for themselves. Today I have Australian animal rights activist Tosh Peterson on the podcast. She is best known for her disruptive actions that get widespread media attention. In this episode, she shares how she got into animal rights why she does what she does, how she manages to keep going despite all the hate she receives, but also how she is changing people's lives daily for the better and how she's exposing the atrocities in animal ads. So when her accounts aren't being banned and taken down, Tosh manages to reach millions of people every day on all sorts of social media, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, and she really does shine light on the issues within animal ads. Um, and it was such a pleasure speaking with Tosh. Toss her a follow at veganbooty3, that's V-G-A-N booty3 on Instagram. And I think vegan booty everywhere else. So enjoy the episode, guys. So excited for you to listen to it. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me on. I'm looking forward to chatting with you. You're one of my favorite activists. I absolutely love how bold you are. I love how effective you are in getting the message out there. And also just your passion, your dedication, it really does shine through in every action that you do. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. You've definitely inspired me to speak up, even when my voice is shaking, even when it's uncomfortable. We got to speak up for the animals, how we would want to be spoken up for if we were in their position. Exactly. So, Tosh, for people that don't know you, that are in the U.S., because I think everybody in Australia seems to know you, right? I think so. (laughs) Pretty much, pretty much. But for those that are in the U.S. here, can you tell us who are you, what do you do, and just give us a little intro. Yeah, well, I'm a disruptive animal rights activist. Obviously, I do lots of different forms of activism, and my activism has evolved over the years. But yeah, I guess I am quite well known over here for my disruptive activism and kind of bringing a really creative kind of style into that activism. Most of my activism I actually just do by myself with my boyfriend filming me and I'll dress up in like a slaughterhouse costume or a cow onesie or even just body paint and being almost bare naked. Um, And I use that as a tool to bring more attention to the message that I'm conveying for animal rights. So um, I think Probably one of my biggest protests is when I went almost naked with blood all over my chest into a Louis Vuitton store, trying to bring light to animal suffering in the fur, leather, wool, etc. industries in the fashion industry. And yeah, so I'm just all about trying to use creativity in the combination with disruptive activism to bring light to 
the animal holocaust. So that's pretty much sums up my activism. So how did you go from being somebody that wasn't even vegan to begin with to now activism is a huge, huge part of your life and a huge part of who you are. So talk a little bit about that transition to veganism. Was it for the animals initially? Was it for health? What got you there? It was definitely a combination of things and it all happened very rapidly. I actually went vegan overnight after watching a documentary called Food Choices. And this was just over five years ago now. And I don't even know how I stumbled across this documentary, but I just decided to watch it and it literally changed my life. I woke up the next day thinking in my mind, I am vegan for life. I'm going to go out right now. I'm going to buy my soy milk and all my plant-based products and I'm never going to look back again. I don't know how I'm going to do it. I didn't really, all I had was this documentary in my mind. I didn't have any true knowledge of how to do it, but I was so morally motivated that that's all I could do. Initially, it was kind of learning the environmental facts that animal agriculture has upon the planet. I think that really um, motivated me to change because the documentary, even though it did touch on animal rights and I I definitely did connect with that message, I just truly wasn't aware of how horrific it is and obviously I think un- veganism is a journey and undoing ingrained speciesism, conditioned speciesism is a massive journey to this day where I'm still progressing through. So obviously I didn't, you know, just suddenly become anti-speciesist in that moment, but I definitely resonated with that idea. And obviously being so morally driven, that caused me to do lots of different research where I started to find out oh, wow, that actually happens in the dairy industry. I didn't know babies were taken away from their mothers and et cetera, et cetera. So it was quite a journey that led from there where I wanted everyone to know the truth. I didn't know animal rights organizations existed. I just started posting on my social media and using that as a tool to spread the message. Soon after, I actually started my own clothing brand because I thought, wow, like clothing is a perfect way to spread the message. So that was like the beginnings of my activism, social media and my T-shirt brand, which um, soon after I did come across Anonymous for the Voiceless and the SAFE movement. And that's when I started getting involved in group animal rights activism, bearing witness to the animals outside slaughterhouses and learning how to have outreach conversations with the public and showing them the footage, etc., Um, And then probably I think a couple of years into being vegan, Direct Action Everywhere actually started up in Australia for the very first time and it happened to be in my city in Perth. And I remember the very day I was at um, a Cube of Truth when a DXE protest was happening that night. Obviously, DXE style, you kind of have to keep it secretive online. So I didn't really know what was going to be happening. But I remember discussing with the other activists um, saying, oh, are you going to go to the protest tonight? I'm not sure about it. I don't know what's happening. It seems a bit daunting. And I didn't end up going. Um, And this particular action was a restaurant disruption. So... It got media attention, obviously being like the first form of animal rights disruption to happen in Perth that I know of. Um, So obviously got a lot of media attention and all I could see as an outsider was, wow, this is really negative. Like 
look at the way they're reporting about us. We're extremists and look at the way the public are reacting. Like, is this, how can this be a good thing when there's so much negativity surrounded by it? And obviously, like, I didn't, you know, have any judgments and say, oh, they're bad people. I'm never going to do that. But that's all I could feel. But I obviously remained open-minded and not long after I sort of started to get it, like how important it, like, like how effective it was. So I got involved and that's really when I felt my calling. I remember the first protest, it was just a supermarket protest. I would barely even call it disruptive now that I have done such, you know, next level kind of disruptive stuff. But yeah, obviously it was still a disruptive protest. We were in a supermarket, we were doing speak outs, et cetera. And I just felt so empowered by it. And I just realized the media attention is the key. The negativity is the key. We want people to be triggered and responding in this way. This is exactly how social change works. And DXE is really what caused me to go out and do my own thing. And that's really how, you know, my activism evolved from getting involved in that form of protests. That's incredible. I mean, it really is a process. You know, I think most of us were not born vegan. Most of us were not disruptive people before this. You know, it's it it's it's because this matter is so pressing and it's so urgent and animals are dying at every single second of every single day. And I always say it's like if we don't speak up for them, who will? These industries don't give a crap. They just want to keep benefiting off of the animals' backs, keep making billions and billions of dollars and so it's interesting because people like us were were looked at we're we're basically the messengers we we're just carrying a message through and people instead of listening to the message will oftentimes just shoot the messenger so i really want to get into that too because speaking of media talk talk about how you even got these ideas for some of these actions and then talk about some of the media and press that you got sure so i recall the first kind of action that I did just with a friend um, that brought in the creativity, which probably allowed me to become up, come up with more creative ideas and do the type of activism that I do today. Um, my friend said, oh, I have a cow onesie. Why don't we go into the supermarket? I'll wear the cow onesie and you can video me mourning the bodies in the meat aisle. And I said, that's an awesome idea. It was just like a really kind of last minute idea She chucked her cow onesie on. We went down to the supermarket. It was dead quiet. It was about to close, but we got our video done. Didn't really think anything of it, posted it online. And then suddenly, you know, within a few days, it has had millions of views. It had media attention by like Lad Bible and, you know, kind of international media attention. And it was literally just a one minute video, silent protest of my friend mourning And I thought it's because of the cow onesie. Like it looks, it really captures attention. If she wasn't dressed up, I don't think it would have got millions of views. So that's when I thought I need to be doing this more often. There are so like, we just reach so many people and I could even see on YouTube on the Dominion documentary, there were comments saying I'm here because of the girl in the cow onesie. And I thought, this is amazing. This is what I need to do more of. So from there, that's when, 
you know, I went out in the cow onesie. I started to do speak outs and that's when, you know, my protests evolved from there. I was like, okay, silent is good. It can be effective, but I think it's more effective if I speak out. And then I came up with the slaughterhouse worker idea where, you know, I dressed in the costume and poured the fake blood on me and played the screens of the animals. Like I just kept taking the disruption to the next level and, um, I still kind of do the same thing to this day, you know, reusing costumes, but trying to think of, you know, bringing in different aspects to that. And yeah, it over, I think I did that first one like a couple of years ago now. So over the past couple of years, my activism has got a lot of media attention for almost every protest that I've done. It's got a significant amount of media attention. What do some of the headlines read? militant vegan screaming at shoppers about eating meat or (laughs) um god there's so many crazy words that they use like extreme vegan activist abusing people in a restaurant you know all these like crazy headlines and a lot of people say that that's you know obviously it's ridiculous the way they're describing us but if it's going to get people to actually go in and watch a video of my protest and actually truly listen to my words or actually read the article, which most of the time is actually fine, like they they quote me word for word, it's going to bring a lot more people in. So I think the headlines are a great thing because it's only going to get more attention to the message and hopefully trigger curiosity for people to go out and watch Dominion and you know, see the footage for themselves. Absolutely. And you know what? Different people relate to different messages and ways of hearing the message. So maybe you're just planting a seed at first and maybe they they do get triggered by it. And maybe they're like, you know, this is crazy. I'm not going vegan now. But then down the road, they're going to keep hearing the message. They're going to keep seeing billboards and signs for it because it's becoming more part of the conversation and it's in so many vegan products are in grocery stores now so it's planting seeds at least it's now on people's radars and you have received hundreds of thousands of messages of people being like because of you i'm vegan now yeah it's amazing i do get messages all the time and i try and keep them all in a file so i can actually have that as evidence like if someone says you're just doing damage to the movement i can say wait a sec I literally have 300 screenshots that say otherwise. And those people are sometimes even saying that I've changed their entire family, you know, and it has that domino effect. So it's more than a few hundred people. It's those people are going to go out and have an impact upon someone else. It's It really is a domino effect. And as you said, just touching back on, they might not initially change from a disruptive form of activism Exactly. It does plant a seed. It's going to be in their mind now. And then they might happen to stumble across an AV outreacher in the streets and actually have a conversation and dialogue about animal rights, or they might see a sticker in the street. And this is exactly why I say to everyone, because so many people say to me, I wish I could do what you do. Like I want to be able to have the confidence and passion to do what you do, but not everyone can do what I do. We all have to bring our own talents and interests into our activism you know people can do so many different things it's not oh I wish I could be that activist so I may as well just sit here wishing and not do anything I mean there are just so many different avenues people can take 
and you can make a significant change to animals' lives. Yeah. Absolutely. Artwork, film, creative outlets, even just poems, doing writing, disruptions are obviously a great one. How do you deal with some of these lunatics that come up to you at protests? Like, are you, do you fear for your safety? Talk about what it's like in the moment doing this stuff. It's a very surreal experience. Obviously, even when I'm just going out to before I even protest like I still get nervous to this day I still get lots of adrenaline which is a really good thing you know I want to have adrenaline it's going to help me you know really t- fight for, for animal rights etc um I guess like recently the way that I have been assaulted has been kind of concerning initially. Like I, I would take a push and a shove from some people getting angry at me and I wouldn't even care about it at all. But recently, like I got badly assaulted um, in September last year when I actually went into a cattle judging ring and this farmer came out of nowhere and the way he grabbed me was borderline sexual assault and I had bruises in my groin area because of the force of him lifting my shorts up and throwing me against a fence. It was awful. And what concerns me is that the police were more concerned about myself and the other animal rights activists. And there was no action taken upon this man who assaulted me, even though I put in a statement, etc. So, you know, these people know that they can get away and assault an animal rights activist because everyone hates the animal rights activists so they can get away with it and that is something that kind of crosses my mind now because obviously most of the time as I said I go out and do this alone with my boyfriend filming and I say to him whatever happens to me unless it's really bad you need to keep filming because these people that are you know pushing and shoving me and assaulting me are only bringing more attention to the message so you know, I'm willing to take a push and a shove for animals because it makes a good media story and everyone's going to talk about it and therefore it's putting animal rights into dialogue. I mean, you're you're taking on a massive industry that is very violent. These people are very violent. You know, the way that they treat animals, just they are trying to defend the guilt, I think, that they have deep inside. And when they're forced to look internally and be like, oh, wait, shoot, like maybe this is wrong. They don't want to do that. You know, it's really scary. So what keeps you going, even though you're up against this massive, massive industry? Do you ever lose hope? No, I always remain really positive. I mean, obviously there's been many moments where I've just felt like I've cried for an entire day, feeling like really depressed about everything going on, but I always get myself back up again. Like I don't let myself just sink into that mindset. Um, It's obviously important to have time to set aside and be upset for what's going on in this world, but I still remain really positive and I think it's just about focusing on the good changes that are happening in this world. I mean, it's insane even just seeing the changes of veganism in the five years that I've been vegan, you know, seeing all these mainstream vegan foods coming, popping up into fast food chains, etc. It's just, it's incredible and that is the perfect sign that there is an increase in veganism 
Um, so yeah, just focusing on the little wins and taking it step by step, really. How does your activism also relate to other issues like women's rights and body positivity and feminism? Yeah, well, I, I do use my body a lot when I do my activism. As I said, you know, I've done plenty of topless protests or almost naked protests, and it's made me aware of how backwards society is still. I mean, I think especially where I live in Western Australia, it's just a very conservative society. So I've actually been criminally charged for being topless when I've protested on two occasions for disorderly conduct because apparently a woman without a shirt on is disorderly and offensive. It's just astounding. So, and then when I'm not doing my disruptive protests, I'm usually just issued move on notices, which means that I'm not criminally charged, but the police officers will still say that I'm being disorderly and that the average that person thinks a topless woman is defensive, um, offensive. Therefore, they have the right to ban me from that area that I'm protesting in for 24 hours and then I have to move on. And yeah, just seeing the way that a woman is treated for not having a shirt on and then sort of claiming, but we would do this to males too, is just like, <laughs> it's, it's, it's made me really passionate. It is. And it has made me really passionate about the whole free the nipple movement. And I mean, oh God, just even when I've done a clothed protest, just seeing the comment section on that protest, the way people are talking about what I'm wearing and Ugh. how flat my butt is or, you know, as if they have shit. any right to comment <laughs> on your body. Yeah, that exactly. Disgusting. It's kind of sad to see a lot of women in there too. You know, making these sick comments about other women's bodies. And I just know for a fact that if I was a guy doing the same thing, people may still comment on my body, but they'd probably find something else to personally attack me on. But just the fact that I'm a woman, there's just everyone just saying whatever they want about my body. And it's just so misogynistic and disgusting. I just can't believe society still views women in this way. Right, right. Well, when we did all the lingerie protests, so um, Tosh, you were one of the, you and Stefania started up the lingerie protest that ended up spreading worldwide. Cave Light, Jordan and I, we made a film about these actions that ended up happening all over the world. I participated in a few of the actions back in New York. And it was, I mean, incredible. There was a lot of positivity of people when we were interacting with them on the street, but then seeing how it spread on social media, but then there were a lot of comments in there in the social media section that talked about like, you know, this is not the way to get attention for the animals by exploiting women and exploiting yourselves. And it's like, this is completely consensual. And I almost felt empowered doing it, being able to use my body for a good cause. Exactly. I mean, like animal rights aside, we are taught, particularly as women, to cover ourselves in a certain way. And if you're topless, then you're seen as, you know, a slut or a skank or whatever. Not that there's anything wrong with being those things, but that's just the way we're taught. So when you actually, you know, go in public topless or in lingerie, you're going against the grain. You're going everything that you've been told not to do. And it does. It feels so empowering and I love doing it. 
Um, and I think using our body as a tool to bring light to others who have no bodily autonomy is such an awesome thing. So yeah, it is insane when people accuse you of exploiting yourself. It's like, sorry, what? No, I'm not. It's the opposite of that. (laughs) Exactly. It's like, we're taking our power back as women. And for me, it's, it's a way to get attention. It is a positive thing because it shows we can be vulnerable. And I think people see that people are like, wow, these women are stripping down for a cause. Like what could be so important that they are doing this? They see that we really care about it. Um, I definitely had people coming up to me being like, wow, I'm definitely going to look into this. I'm definitely going to watch Dominion. I'm, you know, I've, I've even received many messages that I'm vegan now, especially after Amazing. that film. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, so do you take breaks from activism? How do you keep yourself going? How do you keep yourself sane, especially with all the hate, people threatening you to come to your house, getting all of your TikToks taken down, all of your social media? How do you deal with this? That's a very good question that I don't really know how to answer because in the past you know, a few years of doing such full on activism where I've tried to keep really, really consistent with my protesting. I haven't taken a break and I haven't, I mean, apart from the odd, you know, little trip away, maybe for a couple of weeks, I usually find that enough and I find myself ready wanting to get back out there again. And I think I just want to keep going. Like I don't really need to take a massive break at all. I've never really felt remotely close to burnout Um, and I just want to keep going. Like I'm, I just need, I know I need to keep going. I already have all this traction. Um, yeah, it sucks losing social media because that again is a huge part of my activism where I get a massive reach. Um, but I always find ways around it. You know, unfortunately I can't even use TikTok at all now. Like I create a new account and it's gone. Like I literally cannot use it. It's crazy. So now I'm just putting all my time and energy mostly into my Facebook page. I have like a pretty decent following on my Facebook and they're not as strict as Instagram. I mean, like I'm so close to losing my second Instagram account already. I only just lost my last one in August last year and it just continually gets violated. So feel like I've almost given up with Instagram, but I know I need to keep going because at least I can still use a platform, create a new account. But um, God, yeah, it definitely feels like a huge toll, especially just the constant threats and hate and seeing my home address leaked all over the internet. Like there have been quite a few times now where I have literally been terrified in my house thinking, someone's going to come and murder me because I've just received this threat from this crazy person with my home address. And once again, like the police do nothing about it. That's the scary thing. Like I can't even call for help because I know that it's more than likely they don't give a shit. And um, yeah, all the court cases uh, that was, that's been pretty overwhelming. Um, Thankfully, most of that's over, but it's still kind of a lot of it's going on in the background where I can't really tell everyone online what's going on. But basically, yeah, I'm being sued at the moment and I can't really give much more, but that itself is just super stressful and very, very costly. So there's all this stuff that sort of goes on behind the scenes and, you know, 
obviously like with social media, we all look kind of when we post, it's when we're happy and everything. And generally, yeah, I'm a really happy person, but there is a lot that does go on behind the scenes where I'm, you know, crying all day or like getting stressed out because I'm being sued and just wanting to focus on my protesting. And that's probably why I haven't been able to protest as much this year. Like I actually feel lazy and I can't, I have to like say to myself, like I've just been through court. I did some protests when I was outside court. That's a really good thing. I've done one disruptive protest this year and there's just so much stuff going on behind the scenes. It's been really difficult for me to really do anything else. So I shouldn't like think like that and say, oh my gosh, you need to go out and do another protest. Like I am trying to do everything I can at the moment, given these really hectic circumstances. You absolutely are. And that's the thing with this is it's a never ending game. You know, like there is there, there's a million things that we can speak up about. I mean, even if I was outside 24 hours a day talking about this issue, it still wouldn't be enough because it's still happening. You know, so yeah. and we have to just make sure that we stay healthy and that we're able to do this for the long run. Um, exactly so what's the what about your family are they vegan have you gotten them I still haven't gotten mine I'm it's a mess my mom went vegan shortly after I did which was awesome it just took a couple of documentaries and conversations with her and she made the change so that's really cool but unfortunately not so much with the rest of my family I mean um my dad has definitely gone a whole lot more plant-based and I'm kind of hoping that that's just a journey for him and maybe one day he'll change but Mm -hmm. I don't know it's been very difficult um and to the point where I felt like I was putting so much time and effort into trying to change my family and it just unfortunately wasn't working that it made me realize that I just needed to put my time and effort into people that were ready and willing to change and listen so it's definitely difficult though Seeing your family members obviously still contribute to this atrocity. Do you sit down at a table where there's animal products? No, I just had this conversation with my boyfriend the other day, actually. Like as much as I would never want to, and there are so many circumstances where I wouldn't, for example, at a family dinner or something, I would not sit down if there were animal products. But if it were not that I really have any non-vegan friends anymore, but I'm just thinking if I had some non-vegan friends and there was some kind of social event where there were animal products, I think isolating myself from that incident by saying I refuse to sit down is probably not a good thing for animals. I think I would actually take as difficult as it is to sit down in front of dead bodies I think I would take that opportunity to actually try and educate people. Mm -hmm. And I think so many conversations happen when you're eating. That is the moment where people be like, oh, she's a vegan because she's just said she's not eating this. Like all these conversations can start up. And I think it's a really good opportunity to outreach people. So I think in some circumstances, I would actually take that opportunity and be near animal products as much as I'd hate the thought of even doing that but right and if you're able to stay positive and do that and be you know somebody that can educate people and really show them in that moment then that's amazing I found in Mm -hmm. my experience that I was like very negative like very just not 
nice to be around it just mm-hmm. i don't know after you know how it is it's like after going to the vigils and the slaughterhouses and like it gives me ptsd almost and then it's like all the attention is on me the whole dinner it's like i just for me if i if i'm not able to bring positivity to the vegan cause through like through a dinner then i just am like ah, maybe it's maybe it's more effective if i'm not there and they're wondering why i'm not there or I say of to my course. family, I'm like, you know what? If you want to do Thanksgiving, you better not have a dead bird on the table. It's me or the dead bird. Choose. And they always choose the dead bird. <laughs> it sucks. Oh, it's crazy. Awful. Yeah. It's awful. Awful. But I don't, I just, you know, I'll spend Thanksgiving with friends, like my vegan friends or whatnot, you know. Um, so it looks like we only have like two minutes left because this Zoom always runs out. But do you have like any last minute advice or anything that you want to share to wrap things up and then also please share where everybody can find you? Yeah, of course. Well, I guess my message is I think once you know the truth, you do have a moral obligation to speak up about that truth. And that doesn't mean you have to go out and, you know, do these next level kind of disruptive protests, you know, as You've heard activism is a journey. I started off, you know, as an outreach activist, getting super, super nervous about even having a conversation with people about it. And now I have so much confidence I can go out and, you know, shout to the world what is happening. So just taking that step out of your comfort zone will just do, it will literally change so many lives and you can literally save animals' lives by going out and speaking up the truth. So just get out there, get involved in Anonymous for the Voiceless or the Safe movements. I think they're perfect avenues to get started as a new activist. And um, you can find me on my social medias on most platforms, apart from TikTok, (laughs) on Vegan Booty. Um, It's spelled V-G-A-N Booty. And, yeah, that's it really. How did you get the booty part in there? I'm just curious. Where'd that come from? <laughs> well, I bought some shorts that said vegan booty on them, I think from eye apparel. And I would always wear them all the time. And then all the other activists started calling me vegan booty as a nickname. And then one of the activists said to me, he said, look, I think you have a lot of potential with that name. You should change your Instagram name to vegan booty. So I thought, all right, why not? I'll just do it, whatever. And um, then it, from that moment, it really kind of blew up on social media. I well, think yeah, like a couple now of vegan, YouTubers made. Vegan booties on videos. Daily Mail. Vegan booties all over the news. <laughs> I mean, it's amazing. It's amazing. You're yeah, amazing. So, thank you so much. Thank you for inspiring so many other activists. You're incredible. I'm so lucky to know you and have you on my side and on on the same team. So thank you very much. All right. Thanks for listening, guys. Bye.